0: Whoa! I don't think I even want to hear your story. All of you must hear the Scarlet Spider story. My name is Ben Riley. I'm related to this reality's
1: Peter Parker. How? I'm his clone. Or maybe he's my clone. We're not sure. I'm the real Spider-Man. I
0: don't know what kind of mind game this is, but I'm the real Spider-Man. The real Peter Parker.
1: see, I really, really
0: hate clones. I thought I was that clone, I tried to stay out of Peter's life by taking on a new identity. I dyed my hair changed my name to Ben Riley. When I became a costume hero of the Scarlet Spider, it really made him angry. The next big blow came from Dr. Kurt Connors. He discovered that, according
2: to our genetic structures, must be like Peter who was the clone, not me. That news
0: pushed Peter Parker over the edge. Now he hated me with a passion. This is starting to sound like a bad comic book plot. It gets worse. Why didn't
3: you just tell me I was a
0: clone? The cloning process has proven unstable. You're coming apart. Welcome back to another episode of Clone Saga Chronicles, the podcast. This is the penultimate episode. That's right, it's the next to last. So there is one story that I. We have not covered yet. And I thought, who better to cover it than a DC guy? So I called Joshua Lapember Tony because he works for DC as a freelancer for the DC Universe app. But then, but that wasn't all, right, Josh? Uh, it's, yes, do. no, that's, that's horrible.
3: <laughs> that that's not
0: all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Josh is Josh is the busiest man I know. But uh, the second busiest man I know besides Josh is a guy whom I was on his podcast it seems like a lifetime ago because it probably was. He is the man that was at one point known as the hardest working man in podcasting. He is Professor Michael Bailey.
2: Yeah, that was well over 10 years ago at this point. At
0: least. I, I know. For the, for the record, it was episode 103 of Views from the Long box uh, at fortressofbailey2.net. Is that right? That's the right. That's dot, the right com. dot com. Dot com. Dot com. Ah. All right. Anyway, <laughs> But uh, wait, there's more. I couldn't just bring Michael on. I couldn't just bring Josh on. There had to be one other person, and he is known as the irredeemable one himself,
1: Shag. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. I'm I'm usually talking about DC folks myself, so this is a fun way to spread my wings.
0: There you go. You guys are all DC experts, and I I thought I need – because, like, I'm familiar with DC, obviously – But I am not. I don't have the encyclopedic knowledge that uh, that Josh has. Like I do of the Clone Uh, Saga. So, well, we are covering just to tell everybody what we're doing tonight. We are covering DC versus Marvel, the four issue miniseries, and I'm sure we're going to talk about other other books that are related to it. But that is the name of this episode, episode seventy five, here on CSC.
1: And uh, so, to be fair, it's DC versus Marvel or Marvel versus DC, depending on the issue. But that's only if you're a pedantic nerd. (laughs) which we all are
0: exactly yes exactly so we're i kind of want to go around the room because there may be people that are not familiar with uh, especially mike and and shag obviously they're familiar with josh as he co-founded the show but (laughs) i pity all of you Uh, right um shag tell us a little bit about your your you used to work at a comic shop during this period of time that's
1: correct. I worked in the comic shop from 1991 to 1996. In fact, uh, I my my tenure at the store ended in the middle of this miniseries. I would have left right about as issue two or three had come out. Wow. So, yep. But I was there during all the voting and all that insanity. Uh, so I, I started a year before the death of Superman. Went through. So I, I got to see the highs and lows of the comic book boom and bust, <laughs> quite literally. I was part of that. I was one of those retailers ordering all those variant covers and all that nonsense. Wow. So, um, but yes, yeah, so, uh, do you want me to just talk about that experience? Do you want me to talk about specific to this series? What do you want here, buddy?
0: Uh, a, a little bit of both, um, okay. but I'll let, let me kind of give, uh, let, let me let Mike kind of go through. So Mike, you've, you've been podcasting almost as long as I, uh, longer than I have actually. Uh, Cause you started what? No six same year. We did No,
2: 2007. It was right around the time you guys were doing, um, we're starting up crawl space uh, or you'd been doing it a little while. That I think was still the era where Brad had uh, two speakers uh, pointed (laughs) to the microphone uh, and that's how he was recording the show. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, it's been a long, uh, uh, it's maybe too long. I may have been on stage too long is what I'm saying.
1: Now, now just to get into it specifically, if I recall, didn't I invite you onto your first podcast ever, Mike? Yes, you did. You, uh, you, you're welcome. So that would have, that would
2: have still been 2007. Um, so I, I owe a lot to shag, uh, podcasting wise. Um, wow. and he is, um, he has never let me forget that. Uh, but, uh, d- in specific to DC versus Marvel, this was a weird time period for me because this is when I was moving to Georgia. Right. It was like they, they announced it wh- around the time it was getting announced and the the voting was going on. I was in the process of moving and this was one of the first books I bought when I got down here. Uh, and I have this really specific memory of of my friend opening up a comic shop like in early 2006 which turned into the hangout, which is the worst business decision you can ever make, by the way. (laughs) Um, But we spent an entire Saturday, me and this group of people coming up with different fights you can have during this whole thing. So we were like, well, what about power girl versus she Hulk? Oh, that would be neat. So uh, that, 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 that deep of a conversation,
0: you know, like there's a certain element and there's always been this where it, you always had the go back and forth josh i can't remember were you reading at this point cuz this was right before i started reading regularly it was like when this all was going on it was like literally within like weeks of me starting to read regularly because I started reading regularly with uh, Blood Brothers. Were you I was, reading regularly at this
3: point? I was reading, but not regularly. This was, like, the phase of my fandom where I would pick up what was available, and sometimes you wouldn't get, like, a whole series. I just saw, like, oh, this is what this store has available right now. Oh, cool, DC versus Marvel. Like, let me get that. And I think it was issue 3, and that was, like, the only issue I had for a while, and, like, my only context uh, for the story. And yeah, there was like confusing stuff because issue three does not explain what the whole ben riley situation is so like i thought that that was <laughs> peter parker like in the right. planets and then when spider-man's fighting superboy that's ben riley so i was like oh cool they're both in this but why is peter like trying to get with lois if he's married to mary jane who's pregnant oh, like oh well maybe they explained that in issues one and two like you know or
0: something and i guess
3: they did so
0: yeah it's one of those things it's a very weird book to read i this was actually the first trade paperback i ever bought was this book. oh wow uh i bought it at barnes and noble um back in, t- in like 99 or 2000 and so i've i've it's still in pretty decent shape uh i have read this probably like 30 times and as i'm sitting there going through like the list of like appearances i'm like oh crap we haven't done dc versus marvel yet and i was like ah uh, yeah that's that's part of the reason that we're doing it as the penultimate episode just because i was like i forgot about it for and even though it's on my shelf it's like right next to my clone saga trades. i had forgot like it kind of slipped my mind that that ben was in the was in this mini-series. But yeah, it, there's some you could definitely tell it was an, uh, like it was like in continuity, but not in continuity. Like, it's really weird because uh, I remember after I picked this up, I remember the all access uh, miniseries. <laughs> I'm sorry again.
2: Uh, yeah, I liked it, man. But I, there was two of those. I, I, I might add they, they decided yeah. to do that twice. <laughs> all access and unlimited access.
0: Yep, all access was published by DC primarily, and unlimited was uh, published by Marvel because it had those, uh, like the the little uh, gatefold cover that gave you like the explanation of like who was in the issue during that period.
1: Th- those had to be mm-hmm. contract fulfillments at that point. I mean, they were just riding on fumes. It, oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Because all I remember about those two miniseries was that one had like superman spider-man team up and i was like that is so cool i remember being at the grocery store and seeing that on the on the rack and then like i was just you know, on the spinner rack and i picked it up and i was like i looked at my dad i was like dad it's got Superman and Spider-Man in it. And he's like, well, we got to pick it up now. <laughs> oh, so, I like that series. But where, like,
2: whereas if that conversation happened with my dad, it would have been like, Hey dad, here's Superman and Spider-Man. Yeah. That's nice. We got to move on.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you go back and, and uh, I, can't, I think it was like episode 23, 24, where I did the interview with my dad, where we talked, he's like, this is all my fault. Basically. Um, but yeah no i so when i went i remember picking up the straight paperback and just being engrossed with it and i didn't realize until a while later that dr strange fate was in the they they, like put this like in the middle of issue four (laughs) like they didn't even like they put it like right where it happens in continuity so it's strange it's it's very it's very strangely put in there so um I think
2: that's because it was one of the, I think it was the only one of those amalgam books that had uh, access in it. So it kind of felt like it was part of the story. Plus, they rarely did four issue trades back then. Right. Unless it was, uh, unless it was like something uh, special. So yeah, that, that they probably were just padding it out with, well, that one looks like it fits. So put it in. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so okay, Shaq, I'm really glad you're on this episode because you can kind of give the comic shop uh, a perspective of this book. What what was it like working in that comic shop? Like with all this ballot stuff and voting and like because this was like I saw a little uh, was it probably like two like maybe two months ago. I saw the Claudio Castanelli like alternate page where Hulk won.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Okay somebody published it on cbr i think Hmm. and i was like oh so those do still exist (laughs) (laughs) so from the comic shop
1: perspective it was leading up to it It was very exciting people at least in my shop they were super into the who's gonna win who i mean that in the 90s there was so much of that anyway kids would just come in all day long who would win in a fight blah 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 and our answer was always well whose book is it well yeah ghost rider can beat galactus if it's ghost riders monthly book yes but um so, there's a lot of excitement around that. The ballots, there were a lot of people who wanted to ma- mail in their ballots. A lot of debate who, like, people would actually jokingly rib each other, and be like, What? You can't vote for Batman. It has to be Captain America, that kind of stuff. <laughs> I, I do remember there was the guy who worked in the store next to us. He was the first guy I ever knew in real life that had a T1 internet line coming into his house. Okay. Because this was really super rare back then. What we would just basically call nowadays, you know, high speed internet, whatever. Wired. <laughs> and. This guy, he was so adamant that he wanted to stuff the ballot box. He was going to write some sort of program algorithm because you could do this by email, right? These, if, you, if you see the ad uh, that, that came in these things, you could vote for each character via uh, AOL email addresses. Yep. And he, he was fully planning, I don't know if he ever did or not, he was going to stuff the ballot boxes by writing some sort of algorithm that would just send thousands of emails to these and fill these mailboxes. That's the kind of stuff people are thinking. It's like, it's not that important, man. It's just it's just for fun. But uh, yeah,
0: when, th- when I this... saw
3: the ad with the emails, like, I wondered. I was like, okay, this can be, like, how would they know? Because back then, like, checking IP addresses or stuff like that. <laughs> right. I right. was like, this is right for fraud. But then I remembered, oh, wait. This is, like, the mid to late 90s when, like, the average person, like, you know, got their internet address from a free America online, like CD ROM. So it's not that like- you
0: used that doubled as a coaster when you ran out of coasters at your house. Like, that is you correct. Had, like- <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> One of my favorite uh, gags from the Drew Carey show is like his boss, like, you know, trying to convince him to, the- get it to like go back to work he's like all right Drew, <laughs> i'm gonna have to pull out the big stops." And you know if, in addition to a 10 percent race i will give you then he like pulls out 100 free hours of america online. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh <laughs> and he's man. like i got six of those in my garage so but, like yeah so- i was i was wondering if they can like fraud this and i'm like oh yeah maybe like now but back then i don't think the average like person could have come up with multiple email addresses plus the internet was so slow like you would have had to have like devote a really <laughs> lot of time to it so if there was fraud it was probably too small to make a no difference it,
2: it also didn't matter i mean it's not, it's, it's not like it's not like we're talking about today when fraud and voting is like a serious thing this is to decide who wins in a fight between wolverine and lobo
1: I No, mean, like it's important it's important
2: i mean I mean, it's like, like every time, like you guys are saying fraud. It's just like I just expect like the 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 election commission to start investigating things, and it, <laughs> and it just so, turns out to be this one Deadpool fan that voted twice, and that's all they found.
1: Oh gosh! <laughs> <laughs> so, so to go back to this, so everyone's very excited, right? Leading up to it, then the first issue comes out, and we'll, I know we'll get into this, but like some of the art in the first issue is kind of hit and miss. And some of the action's a little hit and miss. And as you go further along the series, some of the fights are real hit and miss. <laughs> and I remember, uh, and again, if I, if I should save this for later, I can. But I just remember like a lot of fan outrage about the Aquaman and Namor fight and a lot of fan mm-hmm. outrage about the Wolverine-Lobo fight. Specifically, mm-hmm. it, well, not necessarily who won, but the way that it all takes place just behind a bar. You never see the fight, and that's what they were so ticked about.
0: They wanted to see the gore. They wanted it to be extreme. You know, yeah. <laughs> they. Wa- I wanted to see Wolverine gut Lobo like
2: a
3: fish.
1: Right. Exactly. So they were upset they didn't get that. So now I was, as I said, I was gone from the store by the time the last issue came out. But I was still hanging out there, and you know, bought all my amalgam comics and all that from there. Uh, so I still talked to a lot of people, and I. So, again, I would say the voting part was very exciting, and then, actually, once it gets started, I think there was more excitement for the amalgam issues, actually. Uh, I think the the actual battles themselves people
0: weren't too thrilled about. It's one of those things where Marvel was in such bad shape, right? Mm -hmm. Because at this point, they'd already declared bankruptcy. The whole New World Entertainment thing kind of was just imploding on itself. So Marvel's like kind of like They'd already become buddy buddy with DC at this point, from my understanding, because they did the like the Batman Superman crossover, mm-hmm. which gets referenced in this very beginning where we see Ben Riley drawn by Dan Jurgens. You know, it's like, oh, that's right, Dan Jurgens did another Ben Riley issue that wasn't well, the.
2: The other thing was you had, as an executive editor at Marvel, Mark Gruenwald, and as an executive editor at DC, Mike Carlin, and they were like best friends. So yeah. this, was, this was when the detente between uh, DC and Marvel was at its absolute best because the people kind of running the show were so buddy-buddy. I mean, if you read Sean Howe's untold, uh, Marvel, The Untold Story, uh, Carlin was trying to get Gruenwald to come over uh, when things right. were looking pretty bad at, at Marvel. So, in fact, there was a um, I've only seen a Spanish dub of this, but uh, there was a, a, a show on the sci-fi channel that would air on Sundays that had that was basically a nerd show. And they had Gruenwald and Carlin in a ring together. <laughs> uh, them. so so it, it was it's it's a weird it's a weird time because dc i think it's fair and accurate to say dc kept its head down and weathered the 90s a lot better than marvel did uh, yeah marvel, marvel may have had bigger highs but they also had higher bigger lows <laughs> as well whereas dc from like 94 to 96 Was like, okay, we're going to try this 90s thing. And then after Kingdom Come, everybody woke up and there was like this hangover period. And then it's like, no, we're just going to focus on writers and having a really cool story. (laughs) Everything's going to still look like the 90s, but you're going to actually be able to read these books. Whereas Maggot becomes a major character in the X-Men books.
0: Right. So, Like the X-Men were just, oh, they were just a dumpster fire and it's funny you guys talk about Mike Carlin and Mark Grunwald uh they actually uh Carlin does the uh the um forward and the afterward is done by Mark Mark Grunwald mm. uh in the, the shortly before he died then cuz he yeah. died in 96 yeah this is like within months of him before he passed away cuz like yeah uh, the tra-
1: the trade was published in August of 96 so it would have been yeah
0: yeah i mean have you uh shack have you read the trade you know no, i i've read
1: no, i have not i've read the individual issues and there are text pieces from them in there i don't know if they're the same pieces or not but uh i've read those but not the trade no
0: yeah so i <laughs> um yeah the trade is really nice because it has like the who's who plus it also like it, it gives you like the stats of each individual character so like whoever fought they give like the top has marvel and the bottom as dc and they flip it the on the next yeah. page
1: that, that's in the individual issues as well yeah it's, cool. uh, it's
0: okay that's really cool because like i was like man i i wonder if they just did that for the trade well no they also did that for the like the, the authors and the writers and pencilers so mm-hmm. it was really really funny uh with the wrong first appearance for tim drake yeah
1: there's also <laughs> a wrong first appearance for wonder woman as well that's Wonder Woman's listening is All Star Comics number eight. Like, well, what that is
2: that is the first appearance of Wonder Woman.
1: Well, I not really All Star Comics, Comics number
2: eight came out came out before Sensation Comics number one. This is actually wow. a plot point in the movie Comic Book Villains.
1: At the <laughs> end, I haven't seen that movie in so long, I forgot. When okay. Donald
2: Logue is quizzing Carrie Elways before he shoots him dead. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he asks him what, what Wonder Woman's first appearance was. And he goes, sensation number one. And he's like, no. And, and, and it's at that point that he gets it wrong and he gets shot. So yeah, all-star number eight is her first appearance. James Robinson thought, is a harsh, Marvel's
1: harsh master. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk, I want to talk about one thing here. We talked about the timing of this, right? You talked about Marvel, mm-hmm. you know, on the, on the bubble there and everything. Right. If, okay. I, I'll again, show my hand early in rereading this. I, I there's not a lot that I love in this mini-series now. I used to, and, and I will find bits and pieces, but in general, it's it's a bit, it's a kind of hard. But I think if this thing had been published maybe three or four years before this, it could have potentially been a completely different series because this thing is such a time capsule yes, for the it era. Is. Superman with the long hair, Aquaman with the hook. You know, uh, a superboy in general, he's only a few years old at this point. Lobo right. being such a major force, Wolverine with the bone claws, Ben Riley, Spider Man, Thor in that uh, that particular outfit he was wearing. I mean, there's so much that's just so niche to this exact time frame that yes. if they'd gone back to say, name me, maybe what, 91 or 90, even 92, right before Superman died, I think they could have got more iconic versions of almost everyone and it would have been mm-hmm. a little more timeless.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, because you got Professor Hulk versus right. superman you got you know but long-haired yeah superman long hair. i wasn't gonna say i wasn't gonna say mullet because i, I know I, I, I,
2: I wasn't going to get offended by it because i'm an adult now um, <laughs> Now, wow now
0: it only took 10 years there they're yeah, right.
2: well that and some therapy um and all that i i i i've learned to love myself finally But uh, this was right at the end of the Professor Hulk, though, because it's really funny looking at this like you see you see Lois and Clark engaged. But while this series, this series was being published, they broke up. Right. Uh, Oh, yeah, that's right. Which I'm I'm about to. Freaking lose my mind over over. I'm from crisis to crisis, because uh, we're covering those books now. It's really weird because we're covering this stuff too in our in our elsewhere segments. So the timing of this recording was uh, was actually really good. But Professor Hulp was about to end because I think it was called Ghosts of the Future, where Matt Talbot shows up, yeah, and yeah. just undoes everything, and that leads into Heroes Reborn which this kind of leads into when you look at the timing of it. So, it's like this is the la- this is a time capsule of the last time anything made sense in the
3: Marvel universe. <laughs> Aww. In the 90s. <laughs> okay. Well that like scene when I, when I got to the page and it's like Betty is like, "Oh, Hulk, my husband, I love you so much." And I'm like, "Yeah, this is this is very much a time capsule because like I know she dies, and then even, like, when she comes back, like, we've never kind of, like, gotten back to this relationship between the two of them, because she's read She-Hulk, and she hates him, at least as of a few years ago. I have no clue what's going on now. I don't think anybody does.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're right, though. It's such a, like... But this is so weird to me, because Wolverine has the bone claws, but shouldn't he be, like, more savage, like... Like Jurgens, oh, be- I mean, that is I the most savage depends,
1: Wolverine. <laughs> depends on the artist uh, on who's drawing which page to see Wolverine's hair. You're exactly right, Mike. <laughs> he beat me to it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, OK, so this was Claudio Castanelli's like first big like break into comics. My understanding is like this is his first like major event thing. So you bring in Dan Jurgens, who's, you know, drawn. Obviously, he was drawing Spider-Man around the time that this came out. Mm hmm. And done, obviously, DC, but like, do you kind of feel that it would have been better served with a more experienced artist? Because I remember he came in and did like a fill in issue for for Peter Parker, Spider-Man for remita which was like one of the rare times Ramita didn't draw that that book after the Claw Saga.
2: I, I, but the weird thing is, is that his style was very much of that era. So right. it, 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 I don't think it's really a more experienced artist because, yeah, his anatomy is 16 different types of crazy. He looked at Mike Diodato and went, oh, I could do more than that. Yeah. <laughs> <definitely>. <laughs> um, and, and it's kind of weird because you you, you have that and then you have Jurgens who has such the more traditional style. Right. Uh, so it's just like, you know, you, you look at Juergens – Spider-Man, because uh, he—I you know, mean, Sensational it's had to be right around the time Sensational came out. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, I'm trying like six issues and then got pissed off and left. Reason, <laughs> but still,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I—I uh, I was trying to look up on via via Mike's Amazing World the actual publication dates. Couldn't find it, so. Don't know if I'm just doing it wrong, but uh yeah, publication
1: I, dates for this series or the Spider-Man yes. books?
0: Yeah, for, for this series.
1: Yeah, so issue 1 comes out um December 14th, 1995, then the next one's January 18th, 1996, then February 22nd, 96, and then March 7th,
0: 96. Well, I'm glad you had that cuz I could not I was trying to find cuz like uh It's called being prepared, but no, don't worry about it. No, no, you're right, though, <laughs> when you're talking about when this was being published, because Sensational 1, a Sensational Zero came out, uh, the on-sale price for Sensational Zero was November 9th of 1995, cover date of 96, January 96, and so we're literally right around the time, the next month of, of Sensational 1. So Jurgens is like right in the throes of doing Sensational and launching Sensational. So you're right. It's very much in that same exact era.
1: Well, I, I'll even go in as far to say it, I wonder if Jergens was drawing something else at the same time, maybe one of those books, because I don't feel like Juergens – I don't feel like this is Juergens' best work. I feel no. like I feel like some of it's very rushed. Um, even though this other guy, um, oh, I got to get back to his name. What was it, Ca- Castelli? Castanelli, yeah. I actually, even though you're right, Mike, his anatomy is way out of whack, especially with women. I mean, it's crazy. My name's irredeemable, and even I'm like, whoa, that's not right. But anyway, <laughs> um, So even, I, I actually kind of like some of his work, the the other guy, better than Jerkins because I just feel like it's a little more dynamic. Jerkins' stuff looks very stale, very not static, and yeah. some of this other guy's stuff looks like a lot of mo- motion, a lot of angles and things like that. So it's, it's a tough one, and I feel like the art also decreases as you go on from issue one to issue four
2: shag you ignorant slut um that's fair <laughs>
1: <laughs> i don't even know what he's about to say folks but that's fair
2: no, I, <laughs> no you see i i to be fair i am totally and completely biased against jurgens as both a writer and an artist so i'm not the one biased to talk against
1: about. or biased for biased
2: for i will okay. i will he, he is the life the the alan middleton trademarked lifetime pass for me Like there there are things of his that I have not cared for, but I'll be like, nah, I gotta ignore that. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not like he's killed a puppy or anything. So it's a little,
1: it's, you know, it's a little easier to deal with. I'm going to challenge you on your blind faith of Dan Jurgens here for a moment. I also love me some Dan Jurgens comics. Okay. But Mm -hmm. I feel like there's an era and it's that zero hour era with this. This is only a year later where I don't feel like Dan was producing his best work, his stuff before it. You know, leading up to the death of Superman, all that is spectacular. The stuff he does later, you know, even even his Firestorm work, spectacular. I love it. But there's this era in the middle, late 90s that I'm not a big fan of. So, are
2: the only thing I'm going to argue with is I can kind of see on this one because when he handles like a bit like Zero Hour, he was inked by Ordway. And that was a weekly book. So it was obvious there was probably a little bit of rushed quality to that artwork. Uh, at From like 94 to when he left penciling Superman in late 95, uh, he was being inked by Joseph Rubenstein. And it was some of the best work of his Superman career, that inking uh, combination. So I think maybe on something like this, I'd, I'd be more inclined to agree with you, uh, but on other area, but on other books, his artwork was at the height of its game. I mean, his sensational Spider-Man work is fantastic.
0: Yeah, well, sensational. and also, uh, sensational.
2: <laughs> sensational. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry.
0: Uh, well, Joseph Rubenstein actually did the uh, inks in this particular book, so it does feel very much like uh, that Death of Superman era uh, of of Jurgens. But
2: uh, that would have been Brett Breeding, but that's okay.
0: Wow. See, this is why I have you on because you guys are the experts. <laughs> uh,
2: but I, but I will say this: the 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 Claudio artwork does feel more '90s than the Juergens artwork does. Very,
0: very much. So, so. Like,
2: in terms of judging it by its time period, it's like his is more appropriate. It's just his anatomy sometimes was like Superboy's upper. Like he's got to stop skipping leg day.
3: My God in heaven! Yeah. Well, you don't need leg day when you have tactile telekinesis, (laughs) and he will tell you about that tactile telekinesis. (laughs) (laughs) That that, there was actually like, um, you know, a legal like reason that like every single time Superboy was in a scene they have to mention tactile telekinesis before it switches to the same scene and that was um, a legal clause that expired in 2002 not really but that's just about as plausible as like <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: you had me going for a minute
0: there <laughs> I, I thought I thought when you were at DC you were like going through their legal document yeah.
3: <laughs> no because
0: uh, I'll, this, I'll, this I'll
3: say so
2: like, like for example like his Captain Marvel Thor fight is amazing It's probably the strongest bit of artwork of his in the entire series. They both look really good. That Thor outfit is a train wreck, though.
0: Oh, it
1: is is so bad. Sadly, I loved it at the time. I was totally into it.
2: Yeah. Were you disappointed that there were not more leather jackets in this, Shag?
1: I hate you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, uh, Ben Riley's wearing a leather jacket, so that works. Well,
2: that is true. true. That is. No, he's Peter Parker, sir. That's
0: his professional name. That is
1: oh. so confusing.
0: God, that is... Okay, so...
1: <laughs> At some point, you should probably take back control of your shows, Adam. Exactly. Well,
0: you know, this is this is what I expected when I was like, oh, I'm going to bring in Chegg and Mike. It's going to be great. <laughs> uh, and it is. It's been great. Uh, I guess I should kind of briefly go through and do a recap of like mm-hmm. the first issue. Um, so... This is uh, written by Ron Mars and Peter David. Uh, Dan Jurgens and uh, Claudio Castanelli did the artwork. So our book opens with Ben Riley as Spider-Man swinging through New York City when all of a sudden his spider sense goes off because it's too peaceful of a night for something not to happen. A bum with a giant box with nothing but glowing light uh, starts like phasing in and out. He gets hit with the with the beam of light, but not before... Some random dude starts walking down the alley with uh meeting up with the bum. He's like, it's starting, but at least you're here. It's all coming together. Boy, I need your help. The retcon of this later is does makes no goddamn sense. Anyway, we then cut to it. Rain. I, I just like
1: that. You give him the same voice. You give uh, Peter Porker, the spectacular spider ham.
0: So. <laughs> well, you know, I mean. Yeah, it fit <laughs> I, I, it fit so we then cut to the fact that it's raining and uh where is he at but he runs into the joker the joker then remarks that he had apparently that spider-man's apparently james taylor since they last tangoed but uh joker then also remarks that he is in fact in gotham city <laughs> that was me a bad attempt at trying to be mark hamill for a second so <clears throat> needless to say uh joker leaves his card we then cut to Westchester, where the X-Men are fighting the Juggernaut, and then the Juggernaut glows and mysteriously punches a wall. It happens to be the Daily Planet. It's a bad day for Juggy, as he encounters Superman. Superman. Meanwhile, back in Manhattan, it seems that uh, the bum has has taped up the box with duct tape, and I, I'm assuming it's all duct tape. But needless to say, duct tape can't handle this this box of, uh, of stuff as uh, Captain America gets zapped and Wonder Woman gets zapped and everybody's getting zapped, including Professor Hulk, who is like Hulk smash, which, you know, terrifies Betty. And, uh, you know, she's like, don't you choke about that. That was me using Betty Brant's voice for Betty Banner, which kind of fit. We then cut to that scene. <laughs> we then cut to that scene that, uh, that, that Mike and Chad were talking about where, Superboy really needs a leg day. He meets with uh, Tana. And
1: and a sexual harassment lawyer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Both Superboy
1: and the artist need one.
0: Yeah, this is, yeah. So, like, Superboy's got two bikini clad women. He's in Hawaii. And then she's like, I can't leave you alone for even a second. So she's like, I would wish you would just disappear. But (laughs) guess what? He actually did, in fact, disappear. Then cut to deep space where we have Lobo who suddenly gets transported to
3: the moon was hospitalized for severe
0: back pain. <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> Every woman in that scene is going to the hospital for that.
0: Yeah, it's it's like it's like what if the DC universe was was uh, populated by nothing but Playboy bunnies of circa 1990? We then cut back to also, Westchester. Also, Hannah
3: Moon is a professional, like, broadcast journalist. So I don't know why she's walking around like naked in a, in a bikini. She's also a legal adult dating a sixteen-year-old, but apparently that's okay. Hey, to be fair, he's legally two years old.
2: <laughs> that i liked i liked how that was your finishing move
1: forget pulling someone's spine out that's how you win right there
0: <laughs> Finish him he's two years old oh man oh this has been great so far oh my god uh we got back to westchester where uh, savage wolverine just shows back up for random reasons they're like they're, like, trying to figure out a scientific explanation, and then basically all Beastie can come up with is, like, they just disappeared. But then Gambit and Storm and Wolverine, they all disappear because this seems like it's the 90s show all over again. We, <laughs> we then get to the disappearances of Green Lantern, Electra. Elect What? Electra. Flash, Thor, Aquaman, Silver Surfer, Captain Marvel. Because we can call him Captain Marvel back then. Submariner, Quicksilver, Catwoman. Meanwhile, uh, looks like we cut back to the Batcave where Batman's about to throw a Batarang uh into Bullseye? That's right. Bullseye shows up at the at the at the Batcave, and after Batman throws his batarang, <laughs> well, Bullseye catches it, throws it right back at him. Batman gets punched. Punches Batman punches Bullseye in the face, and Bullseye then remarks as he's being knocked out, "You hit harder than Daredevil." Uh, After after Robin disappears, (laughs) jokes on you. uh, The same guy played me and Daredevil. (laughs) Ooh. Ooh,
3: and and
2: and and Colin Farrell is playing the Penguin.
0: That's true. Oh, oh, that's true. Colin Farrell playing the penguin and Bullseye. So after Robin disappears and then reappears into Jubilee's bedroom, which gets her all excited, we then cut back to Metropolis, where Four Freedoms Plaza is right next door to the Daily Planet. Because, yeah. And then Jay Jonah Jameson talks about how he's now the editor-in-chief of the Daily Planet. So that's that's a thing. Uh, A brief montage of fights occurs with the Absorbing Man versus Steel, the Good Green Goblin versus Green Lantern, Bane versus Captain America, Daredevil versus the Riddler, uh, Batman versus Venom, which I'm surprised they didn't make that into a four-issue miniseries, Captain Marvel versus Doctor Doom, Deathstroke versus Punisher, Ghost Rider versus... I don't know who Ghost Rider is fighting. I don't know who that is. That is Etrigan the Demon. That you get the demon. Thanks. See, this is why this is why I have you guys here. We have Firestorm and uh, Martian Manhunter versus the Thing and the Human Torch. Uh, meanwhile, some who's that? Who's that with? That uh, is
1: Jack Knight, Starman hanging with mm-hmm. Doctor Strange. Absolutely oh. no reason for those two to be together, other than they look look cool and both wear goggly kind of glasses at this yeah, point. Yeah, that series. was a mm-hmm. weird pair up.
0: Yeah, like, like, I could see why, you know, Angel and, and Hawkman are together, or She-Hulk and Supergirl, or, yeah, Supergirl, it would be Supergirl. Um, way, I
1: just want to interject real quick, since we're on these pages. I think these pages look great. I think these two pages, like the montage shots by this artist, whose name I still, yeah. still can't remember, are his best pages in the book. I think they look great.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're really good. Uh, it makes me want to read, like, miniseries of these, like, particular team-ups. It makes you wish that we when they would have more issues. Uh, you got a nihilist versus Superman. Meanwhile, Peter Parker is fighting Man Bat, and then we get introduced to Peter Parker, the professional name of Ben Riley, because reasons. Because who also happens to be sporting his classic brown-haired like outfit. I don't understand this scene at all.
1: Yes, no. you do.
0: No, I don't. It and is I, to
1: sell comics to kids. That's why.
0: God. I feel
3: like. This is like because this was the plan for the clone saga at one point was that like Peter and Mary Jane would disappear and Ben Riley would start calling himself Peter Parker and it would be like that episode of Simpsons where Fat Tony dies and he's replaced by Fit Tony, but then Fit Tony gets fat and he becomes the new Fat Tony and we like just pretend (laughs) that like it never happened. Like, Like Or the movie Beer Fest. (laughs) <laughs> am i the only one that's seen beer fest okay there I, you go
2: never mind then apparently yeah, i've <laughs> seen beer fest. one of the one of the main character dies and his twin brother shows up and wants to be called him for the end of the film
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, dude i bought that on blu-ray
1: when hastings was
0: going out of business because yeah because i am that guy <laughs> or, or when
3: Jimmy Olsen dies on Smallville, and then Chloe says, "You must be Jimmy's little brother, Jimmy." Here is his camera. One day you'll grow up to be Jimmy Olsen. And then, and then that dude played
2: Jimmy was... Olsen in the final episode for like thirty seconds when they were oh in the gosh. future. So yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So, so what, the the one note I had on on the Superman versus Annihilus fight is I don't think there is a single FF villain that wouldn't also make a great Superman villain, right? Uh, I just, I just think that the, their their villain sets are, are just a nihilist versus Superman makes sense to me.
1: The <laughs> more, chick with the radioactive, so than... ma- the, the chick with the radioactive makeup, she'd be a good Superman villain.
2: Yeah, why not? Okay, what are you talking
1: about? <laughs> yeah, Medusa
2: too. Yeah, the frightful four. I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. I just yeah. am confused why Spider Man's fighting Man Bat.
3: Yeah,
0: that, that makes so... no sense to me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it, well, in, in fairness, Spider Man had a Man Bat villain in Untold Tales of Spider Man yep, called Batwing. Wing.
0: Yeah, Batwing. Yeah,
3: or Bat bat. No, I think it was Bat. Yeah, maybe it was Batwing or Bad Thing, something like that. Yeah, it was yeah. all
1: pulled off uh, World Weekly News. Batboy, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but,
3: but but anyway, yeah. Like the plan was, and like the Clone Saga plan kept on changing. That like at one point, like this is what Ben Riley was going to do. He was going to like become Peter Parker, and just kind of reclaim that life. And then like there would just be another Peter Parker and Mary Jane Watson, like somewhere else in like the world and like nobody would comment on it mm-hmm. um and I, I wonder if like maybe during the planning stages of this they said yeah this is what's going to happen the spider-man so they wrote it that way right but right. then like by the time that this issue was on the stands they weren't doing that because i also know that the ending of the clone saga changed and it was done a million times but yes like This was really confusing. Also, the fact that like Ben Riley was not a photographer; he was like,
0: he was a coffee. He was he he worked at the new coffee. I mean, Daily Grind.
3: Yeah, which which they say in the back pages that he was a waiter. I'm like, that's not entirely incorrect, but that's not entirely accurate either. So yeah, that this was like a weird way to try and make him the more recognizable Peter Parker. Yeah. If you're saying that my I'm Ben Riley, my professional name is Peter Parker, shouldn't like other people like Jay Jonah Jameson be like, okay, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> you look exactly like the kid. Name <laughs> like, I have so many questions. <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> sir, I worked with Peter Parker. I knew Peter Parker. You, sir, are no Peter. No Parker. Peter
0: Parker. You look you
3: exactly are. like him. Be. <laughs> Especially because like Ben Riley was like going to the Daily Bugle a few months later to like openly date Betty Brands in front of Jonah who would be like, Oh yeah, this guy had a different hair color and was
1: calling himself Peter Parker. Well, (laughs) it's interesting in a series that really tried to fit so much continuity. in. I really feel like this, this is probably less about trying to make the clone saga work and trying to give the, the lay person at home, a Spider-Man they can recognize. I really think that's what this was.
3: So, Technically, they're dodging a continuity error here because Peter, Lois, and Clark all should know each other from previous crossovers. But that was a different Peter because the Peter Parker in those old Superman crossovers was Peter Parker post Amazing Spider Man 150 when that would have been when that was not Ben Riley. Like Ben Riley doesn't have any memories of those right. years because the di- divergence happened. And Lois and Clark, that was Earth One pre-crisis. Lois and Clark, so post-crisis, John Byrne era. Lois and Clark would not remember that either. So
0: there you well. go. Yeah, I was
3: saying something Can about feel a like at this point earlier. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like at this point, uh,
2: what's his name, Darth Helmet should look at the the audience and go, "Y'all got that." <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep, yep, and we only got two more pages or three more pages left uh, of this of the first issue. So we have a brief appearance by the Spectre not played by Oliver Queen. And then we on the uh, next page we have the Living Tribunal and they start thinking the same thing that they feel that something is terribly wrong. And there's these two brothers who are touching who are trying not to touch fingers to be continued in round 2. Look out for the Transformers transformers robots in disguise it's just boxes uh. hitting boxes <laughs> it's like it's like two it's like two overgrown rock and sock em robots about to touch each other
1: the coat with the colorations it really does look like it but thank you for the boxes yeah. reference mike that's a reference to yeah. my podcast network so thank
0: mm-hmm.
2: you that's <laughs> what i'm here for to, to make references that aren't mine
0: <laughs> so you have to make references about Bailey now, Chag. That, that's that's an enormous responsibility.
1: I've talked about Bailey all night long. I've talked about him my whole life. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we then cut to issue two, where we have Axel Asher seeing the, uh, the the in each eye a different brother because, you know, he's got some issues. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile uh, he looks like he's, like, drunk, about to get into a car when he suddenly has a cop uniform. I don't know. Like... There's some confusion between cops, basically. Cut to uh, Killer Croc versus Wolverine. Meanwhile, uh, Clark and Peter are at at the scene of this particular event, and they're both trying to figure out how they can ditch the guy to go change into their costume. So, guys at the ATM, and they're like, accounts not recognized? What is this? it's because oh it's actual sorry it's Axel asher i didn't i couldn't tell by the artwork meanwhile he's back in that stupid alley and the the freaking bums like yeah, you're crying out loud there's a universe to save yeah meanwhile we get the uh the the the, the <laughs> we get the confrontation that uh every jack kirby fan always wanted to see between thanos and dark side and they're but then we cut to Captain America versus Bane, who have been apparently fighting for hours or days—I don't know. After a brief uh, aside, at to feature the WB characters such as Pinky the, the and Warner the
3: Brothers store.
0: It's the yeah. Warner Brothers.
2: store. R.I.P. The <laughs> Warner Brothers store, man.
1: So, question for the group: There, because at one point it's a Warner Brothers store, and the guy's saying it used to be an X-Men store because the two different worlds. So, which which world has which store? Does the DC world have the Warner Brothers store? Or does the Marvel universe have the Warner Brothers mm, store? That, I've, I've, I've actually spent far too much time trying to figure this out.
0: You know?
2: I'm just trying to figure out how Wolverine was
3: able to steal the Batmobile. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: In so, fairness, the security of the Batmobile sucks because the 12-year-old boy was able to jack its tires.
1: Yep. Yeah. Meanwhile, you, you use the correct terminology. Thank you. It's actually yeah, boost. it boosted. boosted. Yeah, it's boosted, boosted. tires. Yeah, boosted, boosted tires. Excuse Meanwhile,
3: me if I'm not up on my criminal terminology.
1: Says the guy who works for DC Comics.
0: Oh no! Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> oh, whoa.
1: <laughs> Joey Lawrence <Lewis> showed up.
2: <laughs> whoa. whoa!
3: During the next crisis, I'm I'm going back in time and like removing that firestorm shout out video from continuity fair enough (laughs) (laughs) Uh, actually i take that but like as that was coming out of my mouth i was like that is not only mean but that is an essential continuity story so
0: (laughs) after uh after the after bane tries to do what he did to, to tries to do captain america what he did to batman the the uh captain america's mighty shield comes and hits him right in the back of the head like he should be dead by this point Meanwhile, Batman's been tracking the not-lizard. I say the not-lizard because it turns out he was just uh, like a half-man, half-lizard hybrid thing that Kirk Connors cooked up. You'll learn that later on, kids, in about six months. Meanwhile, uh, the box is not being able to contain. The Living Tribunal and and the Scepter are like, it's too late! (laughs) This goes right into what Bailey was just talking about. So (laughs) Wolverine and Gambit steal the Batmobile. Uh, meanwhile Jubilee is making googly eyes at Robin, and then all of a sudden this big giant light hits, and then these brothers get surrounded by the floating heads of guilt of people like Dr. Doom, Aquaman, Hawkman, Spider-Man, Bane, the Hulk, who looks especially confused. I, I remember like looking at all this, everybody's like kind of shocked, except for like people like you know, um
2: <laughs> he's got Forrest Whitaker eye. <laughs>
1: God.
0: <laughs> but he's like, the, he looks the most confused. Like, for some reason, Ben Grimm has no teeth. I don't know. <laughs> like, it's old like Old Man Ben Grimm. It's like Old Man Ben Grimm. Spider Man like, looks the
1: same as he always does.
0: Yeah, Spidey is just like, is, is looking in the general direction. It, and, and that,
1: I, I gotta say, that Batman face is used many times in this issue. That is like a patented George Perez Crisis and Infinite Earths Batman shock face when he sees Barry <laughs> Allen. Back up, yeah. Mike.
2: Yep, no, I'll, I'll agree with that completely.
0: Uh, so basically, we get, this, the, we get this exposition as to the two brothers, and they were you know, born at the same time. And in and one hand, you have... In the red hand, you have all the Marvel characters. And in the blue hand, you have all the DC characters. And they will fight in a battle to the death. That's right. Meanwhile, back at the alley, because the worst alley in the world... It looks like that the bum Officer has
3: Martha Wayne begged to fucking differ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh god!
0: god.
1: <laughs> well, this could be Marvel's equivalent of Crime Alley, actually. For all we know.
0: Oh man, <laughs> that was
1: that was brutal, dude. That
0: was savage. <laughs> the worst alley in the Marvel universe. Uh, so apparently, they've gotten the box taped back up. Meanwhile. We get the first fight, which is between uh, Thor and Captain Marvel. And then so they do what they what, what gods do in the very beginning of things. They just get on their knees and pray. To themselves.
2: It's <laughs> not <laughs> yeah, the fact that I've never seen Captain Marvel
3: do that ever <laughs> outside yeah. of this series. Yeah. I feel so bad for Captain Marvel he's like why do I have to fight for the universe that destroyed my universe like years ago (gasps) like "Like, my entire line of comics don't exist because of these assholes now I have to fight for their survival like
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's true that's very true so we we get the beginnings. we get some like tit for tat verbally between Thanos and and Darkseid meanwhile we we
2: get Darkseid owning Thanos here thank you
0: (laughs) <laughs> okay, that's that's fair because basically Darkseid, you pay limitation of me, now, which is
1: exactly. Now, there's, a lot, there's a lot of meta in this series because that is exactly correct.
0: That, that that's very correct. Ironically,
2: Meanwhile, though, when Darkseid does appear on a, on the big screen, there is going to be a large contingent of the audience going, "He's just like Thanos."
1: <laughs>
2: Wait till they introduce Mongol. because that's a, just a
1: Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox.
2: Hey, Mongal <laughs> is going to be in Suicide Squad.
1: So. I know, oh my God. I'm... Sorry, tangent. Go. No, <laughs>
2: no, that's it a different, was. that's a different event.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we got Lois Lane about to be like kidnapped or worse by a bunch of scarecrow men when Peter sure, Marvel scarecrow
1: and DC scarecrow.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. And I'm pretty
1: sure they got the word balloon swapped because DC scarecrow doesn't know who Lois Lane is, but Marvel's mm-hmm. does.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't work. Pedantic nerds. Sorry. Pedantic nerds. No. So, like, Peter Parker saves Lois Lane's life. Meanwhile, Superman's flying by. He's like, oh, well, looks like Lois has been intended to instead of, like, coming to see she's okay. You know, he's like, I just wonder if I should be jealous. What? Uh, cutting back better to the... ask
3: my mermaid ex-girlfriend who's living with
0: me. <laughs> <laughs> I love you.
3: That, that that was something that was going on during this time period. Yes, it so was. She, some, she had, she's some some. just come yeah. back around this time period. Yeah. And she right.
2: roomed with Lois. Oh, okay. Uh,
1: yeah, there's there's okay. There's a, there's a I'm, I just choose to ignore all that. There's a great moment after that with the carnival barkers where you've got <laughs> Snapper Carr and you've got Rick Jones both barkering over each other, which is great.
2: <laughs> yeah, so do you guys... Do you guys remember a couple years after this when Tom Pyre and Peter David worked out a conversation between them through their two comics?
1: Yeah, I thought that was I, I thought that was in Young Justice and Hulk. I thought Peter David wrote both. Was I,
2: it in Hourman? Yeah, Our Man. It was it was Our Man and Captain Marvel.
1: Oh, I thought it was Young Justice in Hulk and Hero, but okay, all right. a yeah, remember Justice that conversation scene
3: where you have uh, where you have Snapper Carr calling Rick Jones,
1: mm-hmm. like so.
3: But I don't know if there was a Marvel side
1: to the Young Justice scene. Well, whichever books it was in, you have a whole conversation. If you read both books, you can see mm-hmm. what each one of them are saying in the conversation, which mm-hmm. is wonderful.
3: Yeah, the Young Justice <laughs> one was funny because he's like, "Well, then, you know, my wife, something, something. Oh, that happened to you too, and like." They just comment about how their like lives are the same.
0: <laughs> so we then get more of the of the Shazam Thor fight, which is pretty good until like it gets to the point where Shazam's like, I gotta turn back into Billy Batson. Uh, Thor throws his hammer at Billy, and then they're the, the old, like Billy's trying to turn back into Shazam, and it like it, it like throws his hammer into like somewhere. We then c- turn the we, you turn the page, and you find Wonder Woman. Grabbing the ancient Norse battle hammer, if he be worthy, (laughs) I'll just grab it in a very suggestive-looking pose.
2: So I love that the artwork is so ambiguous over who actually won the fight that Thor actually just has to say, well, it would seem the the bat the triumph is mine."
1: (laughs) That is true. That is
2: true. I I just like like okay, but it's got (laughs) the greatest sound effect ever,
0: Shazak. (laughs) (laughs) Totally
3: murdered a little boy.
2: <laughs> and by the way, Wonder Woman finding Thor's hammer is the is the thing of well, if Wonder Woman's going to win the fight, this is how she's going to win the fight. Even though Wonder Woman should have totally won against Storm, no matter what. But yeah. that's yeah. entirely beside the point. That's complete
1: BS. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Yeah, there's no like that's not even close. So we then cut to we cut to the high seas between Namor and Aquaman without a hand. Um, so. We then cut to uh, so there's like a bunch of a bunch there's several fights interspersed with each other. So we have we have Flash versus Quicksilver, and Flash pretty much just owns his ass.
1: Again, Uh, you don't really see the finale. They got to kind of tell you in the text what really happens there.
0: Yeah, basically, he who hesitates is lost. While he's like, I just owned you, dude. We then cut to uh, back to the 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 Namor uh, Aquaman fight, and (laughs) Aquaman throws a. Throws a shamu onto Namor, so and that's
1: how we, uh, yeah. We gonna, gotta talk about this. Go I, ahead, I'm Mike.
0: gonna I'm gonna ask Shag a question. I want
2: to open it up on this because this this line has bothered me for years. Respect Namor. If I dwell on it too much, I'll curl up in a ball until it's over. That was Peter David's entire first two years on Aquaman.
1: <laughs> uh, perhaps a bit. So, ju- just for the audience's sake, just so you guys know, I've spent a, a podcasting career building a, a, a podcast network on the backs of Aquaman and Firestorm. So, I've got a little bit of love for the character here. Even as a, as a huge fan of Aquaman, even I was bothered by this fight and the resolution. I like Aquaman's quip about cheating. I kind of, especially this era of Aquaman, I like that because he, he, he would do that kind of thing. But just in general, it, it was a total punk move to win this way. <laughs> um, referring back to what you're saying, Mike, about dwelling up uh, is uh, curling up in a ball. I, I think that's probably more like the first four issues, maybe not the first two years, but you've read it more recently than me. He just Either has way, like I mean, a he, serious chip on his shoulder the entire time. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and that's just the way he wanted to write. It. I think he was—he well, I mean, Aquaman's always been a bit, bit of a dick, uh, especially starting like in the Bronze Age, and it just got worse right. and worse. And David accentuated it to the point where Namor and, and Aquaman, in some ways, were indistinguishable in the '90s from mm-hmm. their behavior. Right. So I it was, uh, and as I mentioned earlier, like in the in the stores, people were really ticked off about the resolution of this fight. Not necessarily because Aquaman won, but just the way it all happened and went down.
0: <laughs> I mean, he just throws a whale onto freaking name. Him.
3: In, fair, you- in yeah. fairness, one of the most iconic images of Aquaman in the Golden Age is throwing polar bears. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> only only in the era of memes, but that is true. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, I had to get a special permission to like use that image in an article because like there's certain images that like we can use and can't, and I was able to get approval for that one. So that, that <laughs> that's <was fun>. awesome. <laughs> that
2: I, that I must have been fun. the worst approval that that guy had to approve that day. <laughs> like like you know, he or she was just like. This is what I'm doing in the middle of a pandemic. I'm approving whether or not a polar bear oh, no, this was, like a,
3: this was like during the, the, like the... When the movie was coming out or something. Oh, okay. I
1: just love that that's somebody's job. They have to do, <laughs> you know? That's how they feed their kids, that kind of stuff.
0: I got um, to approve crap like this.
1: <laughs> so, But at the end of the day, you look at this and go, Okay, yes, Aquaman won because A, Peter David wrote this issue. Uh, and B, it had to be snarky again because it was Peter David's title. So
0: right. So I, I love the I love the odds though. If you look on the next page, Flash versus Quicksilver is three to six to three odds. Thor versus Captain Marvel is even, and Submariner versus Aquaman is nine to one odds. Uh, we then cut to the the Kingpin purchasing <laughs> purchasing Daily Planet, and Ben slash Peter's like
3: that work?
0: I, 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 I don't understand like,
3: Does money like when you like switch universes, like do your holdings go with you? Like, how do the legalities of it work?
0: <laughs> I don't know. Like, because earlier this this that doesn't make any sense because earlier Axel was trying to get money out of the ATM and he's like, There is, this card does not exist, but yet like Kingpin was able to like cross into the universe, get all of his assets put it into like a a bank truck, pull it over and be like, I'm buying this building. (laughs) This looks important.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I really feel like by this point, we're looking at a, at a combined universe, more like a a crisis on infinite number 10 sort of situation where, uh, where the worlds have melded and both exist side by side at this point, I think.
0: Yeah. Like, like the, the vibrations of each universe is starting to like get more into sync. Maybe.
1: Yeah, because I mean, we saw the Daily Planet right next to Four Freedoms Plaza, I mean they both are right there.
0: Right, so. right. So the ne- the final page of the of this issue is Thor or Thanos and, and Dark Side looking at each other. Meanwhile, Thor Wonder Woman has the hammer, and the brothers are kind of staring off as floating heads of brothers. So we then. Jump immediately over to uh, Jubilee's diary this is what how we open up the next issue. She gives a brief recap of what has happened. We have uh, we have so Go ahead. I'm
2: gonna I'm gonna ask. Um, everybody here knows why this is this is this whole Jubilee Robin thing is happening, right?
0: Yes. I don't. Okay.
2: Enlighten. Okay. Me. So when Jubilee first appeared, if you look at her costume, it was like a female Robin in the Marvel universe.
1: Oh, the colors, the, the yeah. jacket was the cape, the glasses yeah. was the mask. It all mm-hmm. paralleled perfectly. Okay. Yeah. So, so,
2: so this is this is this is a little bit more of that meta meta stuff going on.
1: Her her first comment is she loves his style, you know, or yeah. his costume or whatever. Okay. I, I, I will say that the Jubilee Robin stuff, the sweet, you know, sort of like teen romance thing. Is like some of my favorite things in this whole miniseries.
3: Yeah, too bad he's cheating on you. You must really, really hate Ariana then.
1: (laughs) 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 Uh, I'm not the world's biggest fan of hers, no. (laughs) Neither is Tim apparently. Like
3: (laughs) 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 he's like Ariana Who now? Like like and and this wasn't like some girl that he was like, you know, seen in like subplot pages every like 10 issues, like she had been his girlfriend since like before the beginning of like his series. And was a consistent, like part of his book? Like,
1: and if only he'd known she was going to grow up to be a musical superstar, he would have been a better boyfriend.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: that that joke landed nowhere. Sorry.
0: (laughs) We have this big splash page with Jubilee where we got Thanos and, and, and dark side fighting. We got, you know, half of, half of Wolverine, half Lobo. We got, uh, I think that's supposed to be Black Canary and Black Widow. Yep. Uh Iron Man and Steel, Superman and Hulk, Green the, the wrong Green Goblin and the Joker. Uh Silver Surfer and, and uh Green Lantern. We got the Ollie uh is it Ollie? Yeah, it's Ollie. Ollie and, and Hawkeye. Nope, that's Connor. <laughs> oh, is that Connor? Okay. Yeah. Uh that would Sk- have been better than Catwoman
3: and Electra, a freaking weird choice.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sp- uh spider-man versus Superboy, batman versus captain america uh the aforementioned uh, flash and quicksilver so
1: wait nope, there's one more the one i'm waiting for you to say daredevil and uh nobody <laughs> yeah Dare- yeah that's right Dare- he's the only one not paired up with anybody
0: yeah because Dare- that's only
2: because uh, dr midnight was dead at this point so oh
0: oh dude bro
2: what that's not brutal it's an it's an an actual point the only reason that daredevil's not fighting anybody is that the only blind dc hero doesn't exist in the dc universe at
3: this point that's
0: fair that's fair (laughs)
3: it's like they were drawing him about to fight somebody and then like hey it's deadline and it's like oh crap uh Okay, let me just hand him the pages.
1: <laughs> like, well, but it's like, I, I imagine it's like they're going to put Batman there and they're like, oh crap, he's fighting Captain America. What do we do? Just, just, just turn it in.
2: <laughs> Actually, yeah. what would have been better is him fighting Nightwing considering McDaniel would go on to draw both
0: characters. Mm, so. That's yeah. true. Would have been nice. This is fair. Meanwhile, the next page is basically you lining up your action figures, starting from Captain America, <laughs> all the way putting them around like like I do on my Marvel Legends shelf. We get a brief recap of what was already going on. We cut also over to Bib, uh, Bibbo's from uh, Superman Superman Titles, his toad board. With uh,
2: Dr. Emil Hamilton sitting in the
3: front. <laughs> because he's the type of person that would go to Bibbo's and like place
0: bets. Yeah, so apparently he's Well, you didn't
2: know about his crippling gambling addiction.
0: So.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's a plot point that'll be brought up now. <laughs> we'll give them, we're just giving them giving them ammunition and ID. I mean,
3: in fairness, Doctor Emil Hamilton kind of got canceled later on, so like he wasn't the best person. Yeah, we're not going to talk about that. I'm still
2: mad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, for so, more.
3: So,
2: who signs their diary? Love your name. I mean, it's it's your diary. You're not writing a letter to the diary.
0: <laughs> yeah, because we we have to end the diary part because Robin shows up and he's like, "I guess we're gonna have to fight now." So you know, Robin and Jubilee fight. Robin basically owns her ass because he's been trained by the world's greatest detective, and this is what should happen.
1: Wait, well, think that through. What you just said. He's a great fighter because he was trained by the world's greatest detective. See, you just said it right there. Batman the, 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 shouldn't be the world's greatest fighter; he should be the world's greatest detective. And this is how Mike have gone and I met. Full by the way. circle
2: of our friendship.
1: <laughs> this is how Mike and I met, folks. This this exact sticky point this right here. Point.
2: Um, also, apparently, both uh, Jubilee and Robin are a little into a little bit of timey up, timey down. I mean, I'm, I'm not yeah, judging, true. but that's uh, yeah. Are you planning on untying me? Well, since you put it that way, I think everybody <laughs> needs
3: an adult.
0: wow <laughs> 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 All right.
3: I think that they're surprisingly upbeat for the amount of genocide that's like about. <laughs> this is I love, like I, think, I guess everyone in my universe is is one step closer to dying. Whoopsie daisy! Oh, Robin, you're so hot! It's like
0: <laughs> so. <laughs> So we didn't get the Ron Mars pages because it's it's <laughs> it's Green Lantern and Silver Surfer, both yeah, of which. And
2: this was the the special that led into DC versus Marvel.
0: Yes, the, the
2: the Green Lantern Silver Surfer crossover, which was actually really good, where you had um, uh, Silver Surfer fighting, you know, Green Lantern's arch ne- nemesis, the Cyborg Superman. Yeah. Right. <laughs>
1: I caught that. I get you. Uh, He's really good with it. The artist is really good with
0: the Green Lantern constructs.
1: I mean, they look. Yeah,
2: they they look really 90s, but they look really awesome.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The constructs are. This is a really cool couple of pages. We then cut to uh, back to Gotham where uh, Catwoman is like scratching up. Electra, but not drawing blood somehow. Because that's that's the way anatomy works. Meanwhile, meanwhile elect- yeah, anatomy
2: is the strong point of that page, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or either one of these
1: characters in general at this point. History, right, truthfully. right, right. I mean, yeah,
2: this was the Jim I Love Boobs Ballant era of Catwoman, so and I
1: believe it was the Mike Diodato Electra era, yeah. if I remember right as well. So, yep. come on.
2: yeah, I- their hips don't lie, thing. and they're starting to feel
3: you, boy. <laughs> <laughs> i'm convinced that they they realized that there wasn't enough women in these matchups so that's why they did the two of them yeah so otherwise like it's really weird that catwoman is like elevated
1: to like the champion status (laughs) well (laughs) she she had her own series at the time and she was very a big seller i mean she was a very popular dc character at this point so Mm -hmm. and they're both in keep in mind this is also 1996 i mean this is the era of the bad girl in comics so these two were high up on the, the bad girl status.
0: So we get bad girl versus bad girl where Electra somehow wins. I, I don't know how that goes, but it's all tied I up. At this she point. won because it had to be all tied up. Yes. <laughs> they knew
1: how the votes were going to come out next issue already because they'd received them by now. So they had to make sure this tied up. Yep.
0: So we didn't get, we didn't get this awkward. We've had this awkward subplot where, where Peter slash Ben starts thinking that Lois is into him. And uh, Lois is like, by the way, I'm engaged. And then all of a sudden, you have like Clark showed up to like to me, (laughs) like I heard this James Earl Jones like deep level voice every time I've read this scene of Clark being like, "Yeah, bro."
3: In my mind, this is the furthest that post crisis Clark Kent gets away from like pre crisis Clark Kent because (laughs) there's there's kind of that like, no, he needs to be this like you know meek, mild mannered like cowardly guy, you know, but then post-crisis you know humanizes clark more and makes him they kind of drop the whole like he's a cowardly guy thing but then you have like this where like Clark Kent is like physically imposing and i feel like there's some silver age fanboys on like a facebook group somewhere and no that wasn't a dig at anyone in particular just like a vague group of people and there's a few facebook groups that this could theoretically apply to who would like be like that's not my Clark Kent from like
1: 1952 <laughs> so it's a, it's a great scene and it's really funny. I mean I'd like to hear Mike's thoughts on it being the Superman guy, but I always love this scene because, you know, first of all, Lois is hot, so I totally get why, you know, Ben Peter's hitting on her. But just the Clark, you know, you're right, that Clark showed up and was just like, "Oh crap, look out."
2: Yeah, it's I, I never got him trying to actually be intimidating. It's just he's so much taller than Peter. Uh and and like and like Josh said, this was this was the Clark that didn't slump his shoulders and wear a suit that's two sizes too big uh, to throw everybody off. It also looks like Lois is flipping him off.
1: You can't tell from the shine off that <laughs> ring. Good lord,
0: that's a rock, brother. That's that's almost, that's almost as big as Patrick Mahomes' girlfriend. Everything got about today. these panels is like meant to
3: humiliate Ben Riley. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm engaged. Like, it's like they like they're like doing this to like play a trick on him.
0: Like, <laughs> wah, 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 yeah.
3: Wah.
1: And, and if you look at Superman in that last or Clark in that last panel, he he has his hands on Lois's shoulders like it's a possession. So there's okay. definitely a back the hell off pete she's
2: about to leave him anyways for the dumbest (laughs) reason ever
0: so 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 pete slash ben's in the dark room going oh man i really blew it this time (laughs) then all of a sudden he gets zapped away jonah shows up and is like all right we got some more fights to go on and then like lois is like oh don't worry jonah he's probably on his way Oh, you know, and so the,
2: and and that bottom panel of him turning into Superman is not the best I've ever seen, and yet still better than the shirt ripping Superman
0: Returns. So there's wow, that. <laughs> that's ouch. a bludge. ouch. So we then cut back to the to the alley. It's just the alley at this point. So uh, we we get more. I'm going to just call him the bum. Stop calling him the bum. Morty ver- and, and Axel are talking, and Morty's like. You know that's the cardboard box. It's all true. You know in your heart, you feel it. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. I'm gonna grab your arm and make you into the access because now we got a character that we can market. Woohoo. <laughs> Part-
1: I do. Re- I do really love the plot point that the dimensional barrier is just a crappy cardboard box in a crummy alley. I like that idea, and yeah, I'm alone idea. in that apparently.
2: No, no, no. I'll I'll agree. I, I like the idea that that the universal solvent is duct tape because that's what he's yes. trying to keep it together with. It's like, th- there is no point in this story where you, where you go, well, that doesn't make any sense because none of it makes sense. So why bother even trying to, to make any sense of anything anyways? I mean, it's just it's like, yeah, he become, he, he goes to the alley and he gets the most nineties outfit ever. Uh, I, I it's just so shoulder pads, man. I mean, well, as you just, say,
1: yeah. Parallax called. He wants his shoulder pads
2: back. Yeah, and and it's just like, oh, so he's got an outfit that looks like the two brothers. Hmm.
0: Mm, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> he is the access. Uh, oh, so yeah. We then cut to the to the most controversial fight in the entire series: Lobo versus Wolverine. And if you thought it was going to be a great like knockout drag out fight, you were wrong because it happens off panel. That's right. Wolverine, Wolverine wins. So then we get to uh, the to Wonder Woman holding Thor's hammer and being like, I will win. But that wouldn't be fair. It would be such an easy victory. So then she's like, I'm going to turn back into regular woman and still somehow lose. So, so apparently holding Thor's hammer
1: for a Wonder Woman makes her have even less clothes. I don't really <laughs> get how that works. Huh.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is very true. Got the metal bikini bottom with like yeah, it, she has less clothes. <laughs> yeah. So, basically, Wonder Woman gets defeated somehow. We then cut to the main event of this particular book, of this particular story. It's uh, Greenwich Village, where we have
3: no fear! So, so, where, 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 where are they?
0: Greenwich Village. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why I said like Greenwich. Uh, <laughs> Razor- if
3: Gerard was still living with you, he would like go into the next room and beat you up right
0: now. <laughs> he ended up throwing something at my head. So we have we have the fight between Ben Riley and Superboy. Tactile and, telekinesis. Tactile telekinesis comes in real handy. <laughs> so... Ben's like, so you uh, Superman's kid brother, cousin, second cousin, I'm a clone. Try to grasp the concept. And Ben's like, a clone? (laughs) So he's like, hope you don't have a problem having your butt kicked by one. And Ben's like, if there's any kicking around here, Junior, it's my foot to your face. Ben then does a a nice little flip where he he thinks that, um, like, he's standing in standing water because they're fighting by a water tower. Like Superboy like knocks knocks him out, and the Superboy's like hurtling ever closer to Ben and uh, with a with, where Ben's standing like right next to electricity. Ben hins him with impact webs, electrocutes uh Superboy, and Ben's like, Sorry, kid, I won. LOL. We then cut to Metropolis where oh,
1: Well, hold on, I got a question for the Spider-Man fans in the room here. Okay. Which, which is all of us, obviously. So
0: yeah. Um so
1: Ben Riley, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, whatever, uh, Superboy had been on the scene for about three years at this point. So as a Spider-Man fan, do you feel snubbed that one of the marquee characters of Marvel is fighting a guy who's been around three years, or is it just such uh, a perfect synchronicity of them the clone issue that it's fine? I mean, where do you guys fall on this?
0: (sighs) The clone part for me... Of course, like when I first read it works, but you're right. Like Spider Man should be in a much bigger marquee fight. I I absolutely agree from a standpoint of Marvel's your flag Marvel's flagship character. Why isn't he more of an important fight? Why isn't he fighting somebody like Batman? Now, granted, there's a plot point with Batman and Captain America that'll come up in a minute, but yeah, I, I I don't disagree. Josh, what do you think?
3: Superboy was so hot in the 90s that, like, being a kid in the 90s, I was coming at it from that context as opposed to, like, coming at it from, like, a longtime reader who might have felt differently. And also, there there was still people who were like, well, this is not my Spider-Man, even though this was supposed to be, oh, this was actually the real Spider-Man the entire time. Like, you know, this still isn't the iconic Spider-Man in the iconic costume anyway. And I did think when I was... A kid reading this, that this was a weird matchup, not because Superboy had just been around, but just like aside from the clone thing, I was like, okay, that's you know, like ran- random. Because some of the other matchups, you know, they at least made somewhat sense, or characters who were like kind of reversals of each other or something. Right. This, this, this was not. But it didn't bother me. It just was like, huh, that's weird.
0: Yeah. So. Uh, like I say, I, I it, it's kind of weird, uh, Bailey. Do you have a, do you have any thoughts on that?
2: Um, I, I I think honestly that any any argument of that from longtime Spider Man fans would have been drowned out by we hate everything that's going on in the books right now, except <laughs> the people that were abs- Except the people that were absolutely loving everything in the books right now. Hmm. So I, I I think it's just the whole clone thing was just so obvious that I don't. I don't remember anybody at the comic shop that I went to complaining about it at all, and they complained about everything.
1: So, <laughs> yeah. And, and to be fair, I don't necessarily remember anyone complaining about it. It just occurs to me as I'm reading it, and maybe it maybe it is the hindsight. Maybe because you right. know, maybe Josh is right. Superboy was pretty hot at this point, uh, even if his own book wasn't selling all that well. He still had a magnificent presence in the DC universe. Everyone knew who he was. Got it coming out of Reign of the Superman. So hmm. that's that's fair.
0: So, cutting back to Metropolis, where we have the Hulk fighting Metallo when Superman shows up, and basically they, they do a double double fist of doom to Metallo. Uh, they've been summoned to the Grand Canyon, which is the Hulk's stomping grounds. They apparently thought that it would be a good idea to fight. In, uh, the brothers fought, apparently thought it was going to be a good idea for the two of them to fight in the Grand Canyon, considering there wouldn't be any innocence around. Let's and we just get, get down to it! <laughs> Let's just get down to business! <laughs>
3: Well, the, no, I, I interrupted where, where at the exact spot of your sentence where Hulk interrupted Superman. It was supposed to be,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like like Hulk sucker punches Superman, which I know Bailey will probably hate, but. Mm. Needless to say, like, yeah, aren't like,
3: Spider-Sense supposed to warn him or something? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, we get the red eyes of Superman about to blast freaking Hulk in the next week. But a uh, big knockout, drag-out fight, big, big set pieces, big, big punches, and eventually Superman just knocks him into halfway through the Grand Canyon and uh, that's the end of it. It's three pages. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. We cut back to Manhattan, where... Batman and Captain America are fighting. So, Captain America is commenting on that, that he's never fought someone whom he's so evenly matched. So, I'm a Batman fan, and that raises my
1: eyebrow. I got to be honest. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. World greatest detective <laughs>
3: like, like i know batman is like in peak physical condition but like steve rogers does have like a super soldier like serum does right.
2: yeah he would have had it because he came he got that back in his system it was taken out during the streets of poison storyline right uh because mark gruenwald conflated the super soldier serum with drugs man uh, for some reason and then after he was going to die and became Armored Cap, uh, he was given a transfusion of his own blood from the Red Skull. Y'all taking notes from the Red Skull who was in a cloned body of Steve Rogers. So,
1: <laughs> a little, a little yeah, blast in the past. Dark, dark Helmet looks at the audience and says, y'all got that?
3: <laughs> y'all got that? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, so, yeah, I, Reaganomics. Yeah.
2: I'm, 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 I'm with you guys. I, I love Batman, but Cap
1: should be able to take Batman out. I mean, just, just in every way possible. Uh, and the implication he, is here, they've been fighting for hours. Yeah. So even if you look at that, the stamina of Captain America alone should, even if they're more equally balanced, Batman yeah. shouldn't have the stamina to last as long as Captain America.
3: He says sooner or later, one of us will go from it. We'll like get exhaustion. Like, Hey, okay, well, it's probably going to be the person that like, doesn't have super soldier serum like yeah, yeah the super
1: soldier
2: serum which allows uh which recycles the lactic acids in his muscles so they don't get tired <laughs> a little hot move information for you there <laughs> nerd
3: yeah, yeah.
0: so 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 basically captain america is not just defeated by batman batman gets the assist from my from a system being flushed out in the sewers he nearly drowns and I, nearly I also dies.
3: call be on that they're like well i guess i won this fight it's like how do you know the fight's over like can't you still fight like he's not dead or knocked out
0: yeah and they happen to get like they go to the like the grating right next to the alley so uh access then touches batman touches superman's chests, and then all of a sudden the boxes explode the battles are over and only one universe is spared but not the winning one One universe is being eliminated, but not the losing universe. The brothers are settling their conflict their own way by coming together, fusing all that they are so they can coexist as one unified being. Merging realities and combining universes. They're they're creating a single universe out of two, but what have they created? That's right. Continued in the Amalgam universe.
1: So... So, so going back a bit here, I I haven't been keeping track because, quite frankly, I stopped caring a while ago. Uh, but at this point, uh, leading up to the Batman and Captain America fight, aren't Marvel and DC tied at this point? Yes. And, and so then, if Captain America and Batman don't really have a winner, that sort of works nicely, so that they can both say, "Oh, look, neither team won." Okay, and that's why you another reason you get yeah. amalgam.
0: Yes, that's how I always read it. Truthfully, was that you get to the point where the, everybody's tied and then batman and and captain america really don't win because shenanigans and that's how that's how the issue ends so yeah um, we get to the point where doctor strange fate the, the events of doctor strange fate occur basically axel survives the, the merging of the universe doctor strange fate uh, sends a bunch of people try to hunt him down to bring him there bring they bring he brings them, uh, brings access to Doctor Strange Fate. Doctor Strange Fate's like, I'm trying to find the shards of the old universe so I can have them in my possession. <laughs> and then he realizes, they're in fact, not in access. He like hid them somewhere. And so, yeah. So not only uh, are, the, are the brothers merged, but the Living Tribunal and the Inspector are like, Locking arms, trying to hold everything together. So A- uh, access then uh, gets transported close to Dark Claw and Super Soldier, which is amalgamation of Captain America, Superman, and Dark Claw is an amalgamation of Wolverine and Ca- uh, and Batman. The hyena is uh, I don't know, like it's Joker and somebody else. I don't know who that. I would was.
1: assume Saber Okay, I
3: thought it was yeah.
0: Nightcrawler or something. I was like, yeah, Saber Tooth. works. Cause that would that would make sense because you've got dark claw which is Wolverine and then Sabretooth. yeah okay that, that makes sense so uh, access is you know back in the in, in the, the cosmic realm he then transports back to the box where he's like oh hey Morty's dying because that we need to close the loop so to speak so Hyena is like like looking to like kill <laughs> access when access just like throws him into a, a portal. Meanwhile, uh, uh, Dark Claw and Super Soldier are there, and so Axel like grabs the both of them and rip, starts ripping apart the universes because inside of them, each was the uh, the last remnants of the universe. Separates the universe because let there be light. So then there's still some crossing over of the universes, and Axel's like, I'm not sure what's going on. Hulk ends up becoming in the Batcave with the Mole Man, and... <laughs> Hulk uses the giant penny to, to, like, take everybody out. But Superman shows up. Uh, Mole Man's like, I'm going to nope my way out of here. So he runs off. Uh, so it's
3: Superman versus the Mole Man. Right. Yeah, that's, that's a, a
2: nice great, gag.
0: Great gag in there. <laughs> I was wondering when somebody was going to bring that up. So uh, Access has got Captain America. He's got Batman. Spectre and, and Living Tribunal get summoned before the brothers. And they're very pissed off. They're still fighting with each other. Perry White and Jonah somehow still work at the Daily Planet. Superboy and Spider-Man makes an appearance. Meanwhile, Lois Lane's like, nice costume. We go to Venice where Robin and no,
1: notice go- she's staring at his butt at the same time. She's thinking <laughs> that.
0: Exactly. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Meanwhile, over in like uh DC comics. So in conclusion, um, I think we should see other people, Clark. Uh, <laughs> I'm breaking off our engagement for reasons. It's all because totally... of
0: Spider-Man's ass.
3: Yeah, like, <laughs> um, but I'm totally gonna say it's Laurie Lamaris.
0: Yeah. So, needless to say, uh, got still got some continuing fighting between the two. Meanwhile, a coalition of. Of Avengers and X-Men and Justice Leaguers are trying to fight against Thanos and, and Dark Side because these two guys never, I guess, never stopped fighting. So the coalition is uh Thor, Captain Marvel, Wonder Woman, Storm, Green Lantern, and, and Silver Surfer. Uh, then the sky starts bleeding because that's that, that, that's what happens in these t- particular cases. I have to give Captain America a lot of credit because apparently his shield. Can shield like this buckets of blood. For- <laughs> um. So then they go to like the the cos the cosmos where Batman and uh, Captain America are with Access. So this is like Access's last ditch effort. Thanos is loving every bit of this. He's like, it's so beautiful. Um, because that's what Thanos would do. Uh. So they then strike swords, and when they strike swords, they start seeing. A child witnessing his parents gunned down, swearing vengeance. And then we have, and they see a young man with willing spirit and weak flesh, subjecting himself to experiments so he can fight against a great evil. And for the first time in recorded and unrecorded history, they speak and they say the same thing. You've done well. The end, basically. Everybody goes back to the universe's access, is like, I can jump back and forth. Ha <laughs> ha! The end. That's 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 the end of DC versus Marvel. Oh, all right. I'm gonna go around the horn. I know everybody's got more notes. Uh, obviously, we'll talk a little bit about the Malcolm comics. I've read Spider Boy both Spider Boy books. Uh, did you ever read the second one, There's I did
1: when it came out, um, and I had every intention of rereading it for this. I just didn't get a chance, but yeah, I've read, I've read all the amalgam comics. I mean, Mm -hmm. seriously, once the voting was over, I really think there was more excitement for excitement for amalgam than there was for the, this series itself.
0: Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about the comic shop, Mike, what was your, you kind you've kind of talked a little bit about it too. What was your, what was the feeling in your comic shop? Um, was there, I mean, was there excitement once it was over? Like, oh yeah, Malcolm, this, this is going to be so cool. I love that they had letters pages <laughs> for, for books there, there that never was, existed. Uh, the, you you got to,
2: let, let me give you an idea of what the temperature was like at the comic shop uh, that, I, that I went to at the time. And why I hung out with these people, I have no idea. But at one point, one of the guys looked at me and said, Mike, I know you like Superman and he's cool and all, but I like the Silver Surfer because he don't take no shit. And he kicks a lot of ass. Um, so that is the base level we're operating at. And, um, yeah, there was no intellectual conversations about this. It was just like, who was going to win in a fight? Oh, that looks cool. Oh, that doesn't. I don't remember what they liked or what they didn't. But Amalgam was big. Uh I remember a guy that would actually become my roommate for a little while was, uh, was more like introspective about what amalgam could mean. And I think he was just like believing that that would continue on. Um, I have no idea where he was getting that from, but maybe it was just like, you know, basically being, you know, uh, like a, a hopeful in the face of no direct evidence. But uh, yeah, I, I, I remember liking both series of amalgam books. Mm-hmm. I cannot tell you a thing about pretty much any of them at this point. Uh, I reread Amazon because again, we're, we're, we're at this point in one of the other shows I do. And so I've been kind of rereading through. them. so I got, I read Amazon I'm reading them in alphabetical order for some reason. And that was very John Byrne. And then there's assassins, which is awful. Um, <laughs> Quite possibly one of the worst comics I have ever read in my entire life where you wow. have where you have Daredevil and Slade Wilson like what? amalgamized as a woman with Whoa. Catwoman and Electra amalgamized as a woman fighting a guy who is Deadshot and Bullseye. And the the Kingpin character is Wilson Fisk and the Riddler as the big question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, wow. The question. So and,
2: and, and they're basically, it's, it's just a lot of fighting and a lot of really tough guy dialogue. And it's, it's written by the, the daredevil team of the time, uh, written and drawn. So you have a uh, DG Chichester and, uh, Scott McDaniel, uh, I never liked the idea of Captain America and Superman being combined. It always looked kind of silly to me. But if I remember you are correctly, so broken. Dave, Dave Gibbons did the artwork on it. So I think that's what made up for it. And t- t-
1: really, Shaq, I'm it broken. Looks, it looks fantastic. Super Soldier. When I look at him, I see like, yeah, that looks right to me. It just looks good.
0: Yeah. No, okay. it, it, it's true. It's true. I don't. I don't disagree with 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 Shag here. I I I, I love the S shield, man. Like it being an S shield, like an actual shield. Like that d- makes no damn sense, but that's okay. And the hair, the blonde hair sticking yeah, out. But, but, the... but, but
3: can he throw it and have it wrap around a villain like cellophane? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> it would be a mild inconvenience. <laughs>
1: uh,
2: I remember I'm thinking. You. I also remember thinking Dark Claw was a little much.
1: Well, here, here was
2: that.
1: Oh, absolutely. It was way, it was supposed to be way, way, way over the top. And what made it beautiful, though, was, and I can't remember if this is in wave one or wave two of the books, they did the Dark Claw book, which is all like dark and extreme. And then they did Dark Claw Adventures, which was, that was in, to the be in the second
2: wave. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah it was supposed
1: to be in the style of Batman animated series, which was genius to show both sort of uh, incarnations.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, I always enjoyed the Dark Claw animated series version. I always thought that was really cool. <laughs> I remember. See, I haven't reread it, but just like one, I remember
1: enjoying Speed Demon, uh, mm-hmm. which was what Ghost Rider and was it the Etrigan? Flash? Oh, Etrigan. Okay, yeah. Um, oh my god, was it Flash?
2: I, I, I can't I, remember. I'm guessing it's. I'm thinking it's Flash because he's
1: running. So we probably should have prepared. Cool. I did read Spider Boy though, so we can talk about that one if you want. Yeah, yeah. I talk <laughs>
0: about Spider Boy. I'll, I'll kind of let you give like a brief like five minute synopsis of it uh well i don't have it in front of me so i'll just do big
1: picture i mean it was it's i think it leaned a lot more heavily on the Superboy continuity. continuity it was written by carl kessel so that makes a lot of sense yeah um who was the artist you're gonna have to help me
0: out i can't uh it was mike ringo this was yes um, this was actually his ultimately ended up being kind of his sort of tryout for his stuff with marvel because after really yeah in life of riley they talk about how he he drew that Glenn Greenberg saw his work in that book and actually said, Hey, um, there's this guy named Mike Ringo that you know, we are needing a new artist for to replace Jurgens in a couple of issues. Can we, can we give him a tryout? Well, apparently I think at this point, um Todd Dezago and and Mike Ringo were already buddies and already friends. <laughs> So they got to basically team up and be like, yeah. It, like Mike Todd Zago was like, yeah, I want, I want Mike. And so that's how that run of spectacular or sensational, excuse me, started. Because uh, there was an issue. Okay, so you have the sixth issue with Jergens, and then the seventh issue is Luke Ross. Exactly, Waylon. Uh, that's my dog. Uh, sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, it was uh, Luke Ross did the seventh issue, and then starting with issue eight was uh, was Mike Ringo, and it was because of Spider Boy.
1: Boy, that's a that's a big shift, Luke Ross to uh, Mike Rango. Wow, okay. yeah, Get some yeah, it's a whiplash from that change. Um, so th- the gist of it is though, there's like a Project Cadmus sort of a you know thing, like in the Spider in the Superboy books, and Spider Boy is a member of the team, and you've got a lot of the Fantastic Four members there, sort of as a Challengers of the unknown team, and they fight a, a hybrid of Carnage and and um, what am I trying to say, Bizarro, yeah, and. Uh, So right, so they deal with the Bizarro Carnage version, which is a a very sort of white amorphous kind of weird thing. I I actually like the Fantastic Four as sort of the challengers of the unknown. Like Sue, Sue is Sue Storm, agent of Shield, and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And Ben Grimm is Rocky, and so they're all Ace, and it it fits very nicely. So anyway, the, the personality is Superboy's personality. The setting is mostly Superboy's. Uh, setting, but he's got a lot of the spider stuff. His costume is more like Spider-Man. He shoots webs through this web gun. His assistant, <laughs> his, his Q, sort of like James Bond's Q, is actually Otto Octavius.
0: Yeah, and, yeah, which is great.
1: Yep. So, so Spider Boy, who we find out was created as a clone in a library in a laboratory, um, basically, General Thunderbolt wanted to create a clone of uh, he wanted to uh, of the Super Soldier, and <laughs> it, and they end up getting Spider Boy. He wasn't fully formed. Mm-hmm. Then he goes out there and he ends up battling um the lizard. Oh, it's um it's amalgamation of, let's see, it's a big lizard and it is an amalgamation of. Did we ever figure this out? Is it is it's not Fing Fang Foom and the lizard, is it? Yeah, it might be with that goatee. It might, it,
0: it might be because it's very it's very fing fang foomy.
1: Yeah, I think which, it might
0: be. Which makes kind of no sense, but that's okay. <laughs>
1: So Spider Boy ends up beating him. Uh, he ends up using Ray Palmer and uh, and Hank Pym's shrinking devices to shrink the lizard down teeny tiny. And and the funny part, it all builds up throughout the whole thing. There's this been this news tabloid talking about how Spider Boy is dating Insect Queen, right? And they keep going on and on about it. And he keeps denying it. And at the end, Otto Octavius introduces. Uh, Spider-Boy to a girl he's wanted to introduce him to all along, and is Mary Jane Watson, who's also known as Insect Queen. And there you get the full reveal, gorgeous red hair, sexy, the whole thing. It's just face it, Spider, you just hit the jackpot, which is a great classic sort of line. So it was fun. I I found it to be a lot of fun. And yes, the letters page is hilarious.
0: Yeah, the Insect Queen uh, is also the... uh, I I like the fact that that's the the character. But uh, to talk about the second Spider-Boy series... Basically, it's Spider Boy meets Le- it's Superboy meets Legion of Superheroes versus all the incarnations. It's hilarious. Um, it's I don't think it's done by Mike Ringo, but it was it was very much a very similar vein <laughs> book. So, yeah, that's that's Spider Boy in a nutshell. But uh, the only the only thing, like I said, the only thing of note with Doctor Strange fate was that. Access is the only, was the character that appeared in that. And so it actually is in the trade paperback. And I thought it was in, in the middle of the story. It actually was put between issues three and issues four. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's Dr. Strange Fate. And I, again, I love the fact that they have letter pages for issues that didn't exist. Oh, it just makes me laugh. And I don't know, you guys know more of the like the ins and outs of d c was these were these done by like assistant editors or something like that, or is it just fake fake letters that they created from scratch?
1: Oh, I'm sure it's got to be all made up people. I mean, I don't recognize any of these names, uh, and so they're probably just having fun now, in the case of Spider Boy, I think that one was actually published by Marvel yeah, yeah. so that would have been Marvel's team of editors, probably who and that's
0: yeah and that's probably why glenn greenberg and tom Brevor were involved and so serendipitous that it actually happened that way that's like that it, yeah because it was published by marvel had been marvel's guys so yeah Stanley
3: would uh make up letters in um the silver age that is uh that that is something that's been confirmed
0: you broke the illusion there Bertoni.
3: Yes, God. because Stan, everything that Stan did was 100% authentic all the time.
1: <laughs> says the guy who works for DC Comics. Uh,
0: says says I, the guy I'm, that that's talked to Stan himself. I and mean, Got him like, to bless children.
3: For like 30 seconds. Um.
0: <laughs> Dude, you got to talk to Stan Lee for 30 yeah. seconds. Come on, man. I, I kind of. It's kind of weird to give a grade for these books because it's so just out of out there because there's so many like problems with the way that they were like obviously they had to make up separate pages for the the fights but what would you guys rate this? What, 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 what if you could give it a grade? What would you what would you give it? Hmm.
2: I'd I, give it a solid C. Um, it's 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 not a complete dumpster fire, but it's also not really of a of a quality that, say, JLA versus Avengers was right. Uh, right. And, yeah, yeah. and yeah, maybe maybe that's an unfair comparison, because on that you had George Perez and, <laughs> and, 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 and Kurt Busiek. But on the other hand, I, I think that's kind of what they were trying to go for here. But the DC and Marvel universes that existed in late 1995 were not at the most, uh, like Shag was saying it before, if they had done this maybe, you know, five years earlier, yeah, you wouldn't have had Superboy uh, and probably not, you know, depending on the the year, Tim Drake, but you would have had Hal Jordan versus the Silver Surfer. And you would have, and you still had Wally West, but he was pretty iconic by that point. So what you have here is this weird time capsule that does not reread well because you have to sit there like we've been doing for, you know, well, it's 2020, so time has no meaning. But you, know, <laughs> you, 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 have, you, you have these two universes that are not at their optimum best. Uh, right. I will argue that DC was a little ahead of the time, but that's like by a safety. I mean, it's, it, 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 that's like saying, <laughs> I, I a have, have a broken yeah. ankle. I'm doing better than the guy that just got crippled. I mean, it's just like, yeah, but you're, you're still limping around a little bit. So, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, I don't know if there's a way to fix it though, because no. you, 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 they decided because it was Gruenwald and Carlin to do, the versions that existed at the time so you're stuck with that right so i right. think they did the best with what they could do but it's not a really good it's the writing's not all that strong and the artwork falls apart in places. so it's like it's yeah. so weird
0: it's so inconsistent with the artwork and it, because you're you're basically bouncing between castanelli and jurgens it had almost been better for Casinelli to to draw a full issue and Jurgens, but because of the logistical nightmare that would be issue three, I, I can see why they did it, but it just doesn't make any sense. Josh, you got any thoughts on this?
3: Um, I think I'm I'm on the same grade as Bailey. Um, I might grade it on a bit of a curve because coordinating so much, like. There is some continuity questions and some questions about the rules of like this universe and this conflict that you know are not satisfactorily answered. But you know, some of that you have to give a little bit of slack because of the scope of the event that they were doing. It's really, really hard to coordinate something this big. I like the art until the last issue, um, not excluding the Super Boys Me Too page that was also horrible, but like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's especially through the lens of now like
3: yeah <laughs> well like I was rereading a Superboy comic last week and like he had just gotten the x-ray goggles and he keeps on using them the spy on town moon like naked and he like lies about it and the paper <laughs>, laughs and I'm like yeah, this is the protagonist.
2: Like, ba-da,
0: ba-da, da, da, da. <laughs> like Yeah, and this is that. before
2: knockout is brought into the books to basically continually try to seduce
3: him. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, that didn't get awkward at all when she showed up.
3: But in fairness to Superboy, you know, spying on his girlfriend or well, I don't even think him and Tana's relationship is defined at that point, but like in in the issue I'm talking about. But in fairness, he was one year old at the time.
0: So a whole one year because, yeah. uh, as as a as someone that has procreated, uh, yeah, yeah, that's something that I would want my my two year my five year old be doing, you know. Gabby destroyed.
2: Gabby is yeah but if but if before, your five-year-old showed that. up in the body of a 16 year old uh, uh, all of a sudden I think you'd have bigger problems <laughs> than, than
0: <laughs> that. that's very that's very true I, I'd be like I should, what, what no nope nope <laughs>
3: it, that Luck. sentence would sound very very weird unless your last name was Richards or Summers
0: it, truth right
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <absolute> truth. <laughs> Uh but anyway yes um you know the time-traveling, teenage, age-warping aside. Uh, there was some stuff in here that I had fun, but, like, you know, it's hard to tell a narrative like this, too, because you can't, you know... The through-line is this access guy, and I didn't care about him, and I immediately tuned out all of his scenes. So, like, you can't, like... Uh, the other characters that you care about, they only show up for, like, a fifth of, like, each issue, so it's hard to tell a story that way. So there is a lot of things that kind of handicapped it. Right, right. In terms of a time capsule, this was fun. I loved seeing all those, like, costumes again and, like, all those 90s looks. You know, it took, it took me back there. And uh, I wasn't as mad about, like, some of the fight stuff as other people. Like, I actually think that, like, the way that they did that Wolverine, I thought that that was, like, cool that they, like, disappear behind the bar and then Wolverine, like, sits up and grabs the cigarette. I, th- I thought that was a cool storytelling device to, like, show who won. I can see why fans would be pissed off, but we want the blood
1: and gore. That is correct.
3: <laughs> yeah, but, but no, but, I. But yeah, I mean, otherwise, I'm I, I'm a C plus just because, like, I feel for something to be a B, it has to be nearly perfect, and this was not nearly perfect.
0: So yeah, it, it's very it's very disjointed in in, in 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 the way it's written and style, you know, stylistically how uh, how they had to like juggle so much. Like this is where. This is like, I don't, how can I put this? This is, this is almost like modern day, some modern day writers like trying to throw all these little subplots in and it just kind of collapses on its own weight. It does tell a pretty disconjointed story, especially when you're reading it in trade. Uh, So it's like, you almost have to read that. Like it, it, it almost enhances the story to read the strange fate deal but it's kind of like the side quest for access and if you don't give a crap about access i do have a question for all three of you who owns access does it is it 50 percent disney and 50 at and now like
1: well it, it says in the uh in the Indicia somewhere that it's like jointly owned by both of them so i would assume at this point yeah um and i'm that, sure neither wants to touch it. yes yeah
3: so um During the school year, um, access lives with Warner brothers and, (laughs) and, you know, they'll, they'll meet at the McDonald's off of the interstate, you know, for an,
1: this is way
0: too real for me, Josh. This is real.
1: It is the very definition of a Disney dad, Josh, is what you're getting to. Yeah.
3: Disney dad. Yeah. Yeah. Disney (laughs) gets six weeks in the summer, you know, and, uh, (laughs) um, alternating Christmases and Thanksgivings and, uh.
0: Hello, Dr. Smith.
3: I did not so, imagine. To, to, be, to be fair, no one
2: wants him. So, so I, to be fair, no one wants him.
3: That's su- access yeah. that is. That's true. I am surprised. If, that if Kevin- it wasn't for the pandemic, that kid would be in boarding school right now. <laughs> I'm
0: surprised Jeff Johns wasn't like going over to Kevin Feige and be like, hey, crossover? Hey, hey come on. We both own it. So, all right. And Kevin Feige's like, who are you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, Zach, thanks for asking my opinion on it too, as closing oh, yeah. thoughts. So, um, you, so I, I, I
0: jumped to you there, Jack. Sorry,
1: yeah, you're, you're full of crap. So, <laughs> I have nothing to add that Josh or Mike didn't already. So, instead, I'm going to use my time to talk about the best way to enjoy this crossover, which is actually the trading card series. Uh, they published it, they published a trading card series. And the fun thing is, all the art's done by a, a wild, uh, array of artists. You get, um, Oh, gosh, you get Joe Quesada, you get Andy Kubert, you get uh, Daryl Krause, you get Lee Weeks, Barry Kitts, and lots of, you know, Waringo. I think that's a – is that a Gil Kane? Good Lord. No, it's not. Anyway, so there's a lot of different wild art in here, okay? But the fun thing is um, the, the, the Marvel cards, like where they focus on a Marvel hero, they're okay. They're just nice pieces. The DC ones, they took a lot of creative time where they would actually do an image of their DC character but have some element of the Marvel setting. For example, Catwoman, she's holding Electra Psi. Flash, he's running across the Avengers uh, uh, headquarters floor. Green Lantern's catching a pumpkin bomb in front of a Daily Bugle. Lobo's uh, going for a joyride in uh, Professor X's uh, chair. <laughs> uh, Robin and uh, Superman are showing up at Xavier's school of uh, of higher learning. Wonder Woman's got, uh, by John Byrne, it's got uh, Thor's hammer. So there's a lot of really nice pieces in here that you didn't necessarily get to see in there, you know, like uh, here, here's one for DC. Cersei standing on the Rainbow Bridge. I mean, that's pretty badass. Dr. Right. Polaris, Dr. Polaris, you know, crushing Magneto's helmet. Fun stuff like that. So I, I think that it is a really fun way to enjoy the crossover is to, to check out the cards. The art is fun. There's a lot of crossover stuff. And the back, all, on the back of all the DC cards has a quote from Peter Parker, like describing that character. Like here's, here's Peter Parker describing Bane. I thought the Venom I knew uh, and loved was serious trouble, but the brutal criminal named Bane is also charged with super steroid, also called Venom. I hope I never have to face him because anybody who could break the Batman could probably squash a spider. So that's a, just one example of the kind of wow. dialogue that's, that's on the back of these.
0: So, so like, like, if you're grading on the card curve, it's like an A+. Plus or, or? Um, I mean, it's a solid B-plus on the cards. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. B-plus on the cards. Uh so so, so you you're gonna have to send me a, a few like pictures of these cards so we can put this in the actual post on the episode. Sure thing I, there was a, I, will, yeah.
1: I was gonna say there's actually see, two link to a. oh there was two what there's a second card series? Yeah there what? was an amalgam series.
0: Oh yeah. Oh uh, okay. Because uh, this was nineties and trading cards were all the rage, guys. So yeah, this all will be up like Jack's gonna send me a few pictures of these trading cards. Well, I, uh, actually- so yeah, we'll be definitely putting up all, like pictures of all these cards, showing them off to you, so that way you can you can bask in their glory on the on this post for Spidey dude. Also, we'll have the uh, the, the ballot for the books and all. The, you can see all those email addresses. You can try to write to them, but I'm sure AOL shut them down years ago. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, like, look, I vote that this is see this was a C is this a C plus story because it just had so much that they were trying to do. I feel like it, this was one of those rare times that probably would have benefited maybe a couple of extra issues, but I know deadlines are a bear. (laughs) So yeah, I can get that too. But I look, Peter, David, Ron Mars, both know that both know the universe is inside and out. So I have all the faith in the world. I just feel like that they were like hamstrung with time. Trying to get this thing out. Um, so, so what would be your grade, Shag, of the of like the books?
1: Oh, it's it's the same as, as Mike and, and Josh. It's in the C range. It's that's unfortunately it's it's if you're grading it just on high concept, you know, actually it's pretty good. The concept's right. great. Uh, it's just the execution was either rushed or they just had the wrong people involved. Sadly.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I don't disagree. I I, I think Castanelli would have. <sighs> He worked at time, ta- like you say. There's certain pages where it's like, oh my god, like that that Silver Surfer, Green Lantern pages are just great, and then the rest of it's like, and then you have the problematic ones, like the Superboy with with Tana Moon. It's like, ooh, 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 ooh. this is this is hypersexualized, and you know, so I I totally get it, guys. I like I say, I I I'm so glad. I know Bailey doesn't like the crossover, but there's the, the, the six year old me was like, loved the all access series. So Superman, Spider-Man together fighting venom was like super cool. And now well, it's to like, be
2: fair, 21 year old Mike bought both of those and paid full price for them. So
0: there's that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I have both of them. Uh, I, I read, I, I, I read all access one till the cover fell off. So I, I completely get it. In our in our show that's going to proceed this show, in terms of like the concept, I will eventually probably have to have you guys back on to talk all access and talk Spidey and uh, the the tween between era of the reboot and the Clone Saga. But yeah, guys, thanks thanks to my DC brethren, DC fanboys for for participating in this episode. I really really enjoyed it. Thanks so much for having us
1: on, man. This was a complete blast. I really really yeah. appreciate it.
0: We need, we need to get together more often. Bailey, I don't see you anymore since since we're not on crawlspace. And, and Josh, I talk to you like once a month or so. So you and Bailey have not been on crawlspace at the same time for like years though. It's been like dude, I did a before I left, I did like this giant um spreadsheet. And it's I think the last time we were on the same episode was literally when you were josh was hosting jeopardy and he would bring us on to ask questions
3: oh yeah i I remember i did that thing one time that was fun
0: yeah yeah so there was that but like in terms of like doing enough because like i left then everybody left then bailey came back on then bailey left again when i came yeah. back aboard
2: <laughs> so and, like, and i'm pretty sure brad thinks that i'm avoiding him because every time he asks me to come on i have a conflict and i can't so i, I kind of feel bad about that
0: okay. Gentlemen, it, it is such a play like i say it was such a pleasure having you guys on thanks again uh next time we are doing the finale of clone saga chronicles so oh my god yeah it is the it is the final episode and, so we uh, killed the
2: show. Is that what you're
0: saying? <laughs> <laughs> you did not kill the show. No, this was this was this was the planned penultimate episode. I'm just glad I had promised bringing you on back in the day there, Mike, and I was so happy to bring you on yeah. before we ended the show, and so yeah, to talk about it. this fun story. So, Josh, we will see you next episode, and and who knows, we, we will. All- We might, I guess so. (laughs) Yeah. I'm making sure you you were on the first episode. You got to be on the last one. So
3: I will, I I will do everything in my power plus plus 30% more.
0: There you (laughs) go. (laughs) Well, gentlemen, I will talk to you guys later and we will see you next time here on the Spidey Dude Radio Network. but wait of course there is more i there was a few moments in this recording that i just couldn't leave on the cutting room floor in fact they were too funny they were too hilarious and i thought i needed to put them in the bloopers so perhaps for the last time we'll see how the next episode goes uh cue the balkan skull music <laughs>
2: Did well, you guys... Uh, read read his the Twitter then. I have it, uh, if you're interested. Yeah. Um, so the first issue came out on the 14th of December uh, of 95. Yeah. yeah.
1: Folks, we- this is this is podcasting history right here. This is proof that Mike doesn't <laughs> listen to a word I said, because I just read all of these out about <laughs> four minutes ago.
2: Yeah. Did, did you also notice that Mike got knocked out of the room
0: for a minute? Yeah. Yeah. Mike Mike did get knocked out of the room for a well. minute.
1: That was my favorite moment of the show. Yeah.
3: <laughs> In about 10 years, Chag is going to have to go on to that Nightwing podcast I went on and explain this moment to them, too.
1: (laughs) So Uh, I'm going to challenge you on your... your, Just shut up. Off-air, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you a link to an online database of what you can pull every single card.
0: (laughs) Oh, yes. And that's it. That's our episode. This the penultimate episode of CSC. Of course, we hope you enjoyed it. And uh, be sure to like us on Facebook, uh, f- uh, follow us on Twitter, and uh, like us on, uh, follow us on Instagram as well. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, or Instagram and Facebook slash SpideyDo Network. Uh, paypal.com paypal.me slash network. and we also have a patreon patreon.com slash spidewnetwork uh and of course twitter has to be different so it is twitter.com slash radio. so with that uh, if you want to leave us a voicemail we want to hear your feedback uh leave us an email clonestock voicemail line is 818-925-6631 that's 818-9-clone-1 if you want your voice heard on the spy radio network be sure to leave us a voicemail tell us what show you're calling about where you're from and leave it under three minutes as it will cut you off otherwise with that my friends we will see you next time here on the final episode of clone saga chronicles